G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Coming up today on A New Beginning, Pastor Greg Laurie points out how the Lord does extraordinary things through ordinary people. When we hear that phrase, the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, understand it, it's another way of saying the God of ordinary people. Abraham, flawed. Isaac, definitely flawed. Jacob, big time flawed. But he's the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. He's the God of of second chances. This is the day when the lost are found. This is the day for a new beginning. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Again you hear all the angels are singing. This is the day, the day when life begins. It's a mistake to think that the Bible only follows the lives of priests, prophets and those with pedigrees. If we look closely, we'll see that God can use anybody. He's even worked through a tax commissioner, a prostitute and a talking donkey. On a new beginning, Pastor Greg Laurie continues his series called World Changes, examining the lives of people whom God has used to impact their culture. We'll see how he might just want to use you to change your world. Are you ready for the assignment? the story of how the Oxford English Dictionary came about. It's actually in a book called The Professor and the Madman. That's being made into a film, by the way. Well, the Oxford English Dictionary uh, came about because in 1879, Dr. James Murray was commissioned to write it. And it was to contain every single word in the English language. Quite a daunting task, wouldn't you say? So Murray invited scholars and literary people from around the world to participate. And they were to read books from every era of the English language, make lists of the words, write a sentence definition, and then a quotation from the earliest source. So many people offered their services, including a man known as Dr. William Minor. He was well qualified. So Dr. Murray uh, brought him into the program and Before he knew it, uh, Dr. Miner had submitted 12,000 separate pieces of paper with definitions, and every submission uh, submitted by Dr. Miner was used. In fact, more than any other person. So upon completion, uh, Dr. Murray wanted to meet Dr. Miner, so he wrote him a letter and said, I'd I'd like to meet you. And, And Dr. Miner wrote back, well, I'm unable to come and see you, but you're welcome to visit me anytime. So finally, uh, Dr. Murray decided to go visit Dr. Miner. Uh, as the story is told, he trudged up a long road lined with beautiful poplar trees and arrived at a very large house, entering through two large green doors. He was ushered by a servant up a marble staircase to a huge room on the second floor. A fire glowed in the fireplace and there was a huge desk in the middle of the room. 
a man of obvious importance was sitting behind the desk and the doctor said, hello, I'm Dr. James Murray, editor of the Oxford English Dictionary. And Dr. Miner, it's a great pleasure to meet you. And then there was an awkward silence and the man behind the desk stood up and said, sorry to disappoint you, but I am not Dr. William Miner. Rather, I am the superintendent of the Broadmoor Criminal Lunatic Asylum in which you are now standing. And uh, the doctor you are asking for has been our longest residence. He is an American. He is also a murderer. And he's hopelessly insane. So go figure on that one. Here this crazy, insane man made the significant contribution to the Oxford English Dictionary. The most amazing accomplishments can come from the least likely people. So here we are in Hebrews 11 with an amazing collection of characters, what I call the Heroes Hall of Faith or World Changers. And here's what I find fascinating. You will not find a single mention of any of their sins in this chapter. And trust me, they sinned. Uh, Abraham, as we already discovered, lied twice about his wife Sarah, saying she was his sister. Isaac did the same thing. Sarah laughed at the uh, promises of God, and the list goes on. So these winners didn't always collect medals. Sometimes they collected scars. But not one word of their failure is mentioned. Why? Because they were forgiven, and God gives second chances. They were looked at for what they became, not what they were. And God doesn't just see you for what you are in the moment. He sees you for what you can become. He saw the potential in the life of each of these world changers and he certainly saw it in Jacob. So when we hear that phrase, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, understand it, it's another way of saying the God of ordinary people. Abraham, flawed. Isaac, definitely flawed. Jacob, big time flawed. But he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's the God of second chances. Now here's what we learn about Jacob in the Heroes Hall of Faith. Look at Hebrews 11 verse 21. By faith Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph and worshiped, leaning on the top of his staff. Now this particular event happened toward the end of Jacob's life and we'll revisit it in a moment. Let's go back to the very beginning of Jacob's life. Uh, let's think of him now as, as a baby in the womb of his mother Rebekah. He was there with his brother Esau. Jacob and Esau were twins. You might say they were womb mates, you see. <laughs> and so the circumstances of their birth are quite interesting because Esau was born first. And how did he even get the name Esau? The name Esau means hairy. Not as in H-A-R-R-Y, but as in H-A-I-R-Y. Because, well, he was hairy. He was a hairy kid. By the way, is that a good name to give to a child? You draw attention to the fact that they're covered in hair. <laughs> you know, you're living in a time where parents seem to be going out of their way to give really unusual names to their children. Uh, I read the other day that, that here's some of the names that have been given. I'm not making any of these up. Uh, one couple named their child Freak. Is that a good name for a kid? Here's a, here's a little boy, Freak. Can he come stay overnight at your house? 
I don't want a freak in my house. I mean, poor kid, come on. Another kid was named Duda. Duda, seriously? Another was named Cougar. That's gonna be trouble for her when she gets older. I'm just <laughs> telling you, hi, my name is Cougar. Okay, bye, see ya. I, I wish these were made up. Another named their child Xanax. Oh, please. Another named their kid Hurricane. Another couple named their child Superman. Really gonna name your child Superman? But here's the thing. Studies have been done and they've found that when you name a child a strange name, it can actually have an effect on their behavior later in life. Well, <laughs> I wonder if this had an effect on Esau. He, he was really something. Now, right on the heels, literally, of Esau's birth comes Jacob, and his name can be translated multiple ways. One is heel catcher, because he was hanging on to his brother's heel. It also means supplanter, or to trip up, or overthrow. And you know what, that's exactly who Jacob became. He was the guy who was always grabbing, trying to get more. Jacob always wanted the advantage. Great to have you with us today. You're listening to A New Beginning with Pastor Greg Laurie from Harvest Ministries in the US. And we're beginning a study of the life of Jacob today with Pastor Greg presenting a message called The World Changer Who Wrestled With God. Let's continue. Now here's an interesting thing. Under normal circumstances, the firstborn uh, in the family, the firstborn male, received the inheritance, uh, received the birthright. What was the birthright? It was a special privilege bestowed on the firstborn. It meant that number one, you would get a double portion of the inheritance. Number two, you would become the spiritual leader of the family. And third and lastly, you would be on the messianic line. So under normal circumstances, Esau, i.e. Harry, should have gotten the birthright. But God, in this particular situation, reversed the order and said, I want to give it to heel catcher. I want Jacob to receive the birthright. But Isaac, who clearly favored Esau, wasn't going for that. And so a conflict developed uh, among these boys from the very beginning because Isaac, the father, favored Esau. Rebekah, the mother, favored uh, Jacob. And so this is never a good thing when this happens in a family, when a parent favors one child over another. And these two boys could not have been more different. Esau was, was a man of action, a man who would go out on the field, a guy who would hunt uh, prey and then skin the animals and, and prepare the meat. In fact, he had an incredible recipe his dad loved, probably some kind of barbecue thing. And uh, and dad loved to eat the food that Esau brought in from the field. In contrast, Jacob is more like a homebody. You know, he liked to hang around uh, the tent with mom, help in the kitchen, sort of a mama's boy, if you will. So Esau liked to hunt, kill, and skin his food and prepare it. And Jacob, he just liked to bake muffins, pretty much. <laughs> so, uh, so one day, brother Esau comes in from the field. He's famished. He hasn't been able to kill anything that day. Meanwhile, Jacob's cooking up this amazing stew. So uh, Esau comes up and says, hey, bro, can I have some of that stew? Jacob says, you can have all the stew you want if you'll give me your birthright right now. And uh, Esau says, birthright, schmirthright. Fill this bowl up with stew. Now, you won't find that literally in the Bible. I'm paraphrasing, all right? He didn't care about the birthright. He cared about 
temporal gratification. He didn't care about the spiritual. He cared only about the physical. So he ate up his stew and traded his birthright, providing commentary. Hebrews 12, 18 says, make sure that not one of you is immoral or godless like Esau, who traded his birthright as the firstborn son for a single meal. But here's the ridiculous thing. God had made a promise to Jacob that he would give to him the birthright. All Jacob had to do was wait for the promise to be fulfilled. But instead he takes matters into his own hands and starts to manipulate as he did here with his brother. Have you ever done that? <laughs> Have you ever got tired of waiting for something to happen? So you thought, I'm just gonna go make it happen on my own. You know, sometimes we're asking God for what he has already given us. You know, you say, Lord, I need more love. I'm having a hard time in the marriage here. Not feeling the love for the wife like I used to. Not feeling the love for the husband, Lord. Give me more love. You don't need to pray for more love because the Bible tells you that the love of God has been shed abroad or poured out in your heart through the Holy Spirit, Romans 5, 5. You don't need to pray for more love. <laughs> you need to just do more loving things. Stop waiting for the emotion and just do a loving thing. You know, when you read 1 Corinthians 13, which is often cited as the definitive chapter on love, you will note that it does not tell you what love is, it tells you what love does. Love is patient, love is kind, love is long-suffering, uh, love doesn't remember the faults of others. It's what love does, so just do loving things. Sometimes we're praying for more power and strength, but yet we're told in Philippians 4.13, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And 2 Peter 1.3 says, God's divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness. So the believer's need is not necessarily to receive something more, but to do something more with what he already has. Hey, you've got it, use it. And so God had made a promise to Jacob. All he had to do was wait. But we grow impatient with the Lord. You know, there are times in our life when we say, when, Lord? <laughs> when is this gonna happen? You've prayed and prayed. You've prayed for that unsafe husband or wife. When are they gonna come to faith, Lord? You've prayed for the prodigal child. How long, Lord, is it gonna be till they come back to you? Or you've prayed for that healing touch and it seems like you receive it. Then there's a setback. Then you're better. Then you're worse. What's going on, God? Or you're praying for God to reveal His will to you. You wanna know what you are to do. It's unclear. Or you're single and you're praying for that man or that woman that God has for you. Where are they, Lord? I'm getting old. I'm like 16, come on. <laughs> and you should pray about those things, by the way. Because the Bible says, in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And scripture reminds us, you have not because you ask not. And Jesus told us in the Sermon on the Mount, ask and it shall be given, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be open. Or in the Greek, it's keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. So yes, pray about it, but understand along with God's will, He has His timing. Wait on the timing of the Lord. Don't rush things. The Bible says he makes everything beautiful in his time. So now we see Jacob has manipulated this situation and he's conned his brother 
and he's stolen the birthright. But it even gets worse. Fast forward now, and Isaac, the father, is, is getting older, and he knows he's gonna die soon, so he decides he's gonna give his blessing to Esau. He says, son, go on out in the field and you know, kill something and cook it up. Use a barbecue. You know how much I love it. And come to me and I'll eat the meal and I'll give you the blessing. Off Esau goes, excited to get the blessing. Well, mom was listening, you see. Rebecca was eavesdropping. It's really easy to eavesdrop when you live in a tent. <laughs> and so she said, well, this is not gonna happen on my watch. So she calls in Jacob. She says, all right, I'm gonna make up a little recipe just like your dad likes it. I'll kill a couple of goats and I want you to cover yourself in animal skins and pretend to be your brother and take it to your dad and he'll give you the blessing thinking you're Esau. Jacob's like, I don't know if this is gonna work, mom. It'll work, trust me. So she makes up the recipe, bring it to dad and, and so of course Jacob does that and the father reads it, this is great, but is this really you? You don't sound like Esau. Uh, yeah, it's me, dad, it's me, but... Yeah, your voice sounds different. Isaac says, come closer so I can put my hand on you. And he puts his hand on animal skin and says, yeah, it feels like Esau. <laughs> Which shows you that guy was hairy, man. Hairy was hairy, for sure. Then Isaac pulls him a little closer. Let me smell you. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're Esau for sure. Get out of here. And receive the blessing. And off Jacob goes. Meanwhile, Esau shows up. Dad, I'm home. Here's your fresh meat. What do you mean you're home? I just ate the fresh meat. That wasn't me. And then Isaac realizes he's been conned. And he says, son, I cannot give you the blessing. Your brother has taken it. And Esau was so angry, he said, I'm going to kill him. And so now Jacob heads for the hills. Greg Laurie following the drama of Jacob and Esau in his message, The World Changer Who Wrestled With God. And tomorrow we'll continue to follow Jacob's life and we'll see how one night he ended up in a wrestling match of some kind with a heavenly being. It's a very interesting turn of events. We'll have more on that tomorrow. But going back to the drama that we've been discussing today between Jacob and Esau, Pastor Greg would like to close with some final comments. You know, Proverbs 18, 19 says, a brother offended is harder to win than a strong city. And that doesn't mean we shouldn't try. But the problem is a lot of people don't know how to apologize. They offer apologies that sound something like this. I'm sorry if what I said offended you. Okay, that's not an apology. Well, I apologize. No, you didn't. What you should say is, I'm sorry. I hurt you. I'm sorry for hurting you. Forgive me. That's an apology. And it's an amazing thing when someone has hurt you and they'll say that, you're just like, well, oh, wow, okay. And not everyone forgives, but many do. And the Bible says, as much as it's possible, live at peace with all men. Maybe you're at a point in life where you look back and you think, there are people I've hurt, people I've offended, people that I've wronged. But you know, hey, don't cry over spilled milk. Nothing you can do. Yeah, there is something you can do. You can go apologize. This is the day, the day when life now for a copy of Pastor Greg's full message from today, get in touch with Vision Christian Store. It was called The World Changer Who Wrestled With God. Go to visionstore.org.au or call 1-800-00-50-11. 
Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.